Welcome back to the hood. Welcome back to Chill in the Green Box with Specs Thompson and The View. And like always, my co-host is not here. Um, I start telling dad jokes and he started laughing too hard and I, I guess he sharted himself and, and he had to go so he got to take care of the business. But, you know, thanks um, Barney for being on, you know, anyway. Yeah, you're welcome, Specs. I'm really excited to I'm really excited to be here. And as as we're talking before we went live, I wanted to make sure because you know it, it's called you know chilling on the green box. I have a green screen behind me, so I was gonna pull it back, and then everybody can see all my like comic book posters and everything behind. But you know what? I'm just gonna leave it closed because going with the green theme, I decided just to 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 keep the green sheet behind me to make it you know fit with the theme of the podcast. So yeah. okay, okay, okay. Well, for people who don't know who you are, um, give them a little brief introduction of who you are and what you do. All right, perfect. Yeah, so I am. Uh, so I am a. Um, I am a. I'm, I'm a part time con- part time. <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> Velcro. A part time cartoonist, part time podcaster, full time dad, full time husband. And uh, the recent owner of buying a terrestrial radio station. So very excited about this new venture I'm having. And I am uh, also I have about three or four podcasts that I do as well. One is called Story Comic Presents, where I interview amazing storytellers and artists. I have another one here because I, I, I'm I'm local to Vermont. I do another podcast that's called Vermont Artists and Authors. Um, I do another one called We Make Children's Books, where I interview children's books, children's book writers and illustrators. Um, and I also have uh, one podcast as well called Nerd Stock Talk, where I actually uh, do some educational uh, work to uh, teach fellow nerds and geeks um, the art of understanding investing in the stock market because the stock market is for everyone. And it's as much as I can to actually like lower – not lower the bar, but um, uh, uh, talk about investing in in language that other nerds and geeks can understand. I think it's also for me is really important too. So, okay, yeah. All right. Well, since you want to go on a green th- uh, theme of the show, uh, just you're on the East Coast, but you're in Vermont, so you might not get the reference. But the green box was the green electrical boxes in front of the neighborhoods. I don't know if y'all had those up there, but uh, down here in the south, I think it's more of a southern thing. It looks like uh, mm-hmm. some of the west coast southern states had them too, but they did. They said they didn't chill on chill on them. But in the south, we would like chill on, hang out with you, uh, on and with your friends or whatnot. Um, just doing the podcast with other guests. I realized that's because. There was the bus stops as well, so we already standing at them going to school for the bus stop. So I guess after school and weekends, you just go to the same spot and meet meet up your friends because you meet up with them anyway before school. <laughs> so well, well, it's good. See, see, suspects because Vermont is uh, it's called the Green Mountain State. Right? Oh, okay. Like Atlanta's called the was it the 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 Peach State? What is it? Yeah, no, George's the, the Peach State. Yeah, the Peach State. See, so I'm the Green Mountain State, and plus. We have a green box here in Vermont. It's actually called the compost bin that we have in our backyard. So, oh, okay. so and, and so in, in a way, you know, it's it's because this is a very rural state, and you have to close it, make sure bears don't get in, and raccoons and and stuff like that. So, and you know, just did, s- symbolically speaking, you know, we 
every time you're going out and you're you're dumping your compost in the in the green box there, you'll end up hanging out with people and talking to them too. So it it, it translates very well, spec. So that that is completely fine, and and I and I and I and I understand, and I and I understand and appreciate the reference because it's there's a bit of a parallel up here and you know this far north too. So that's what's up. Um, uh, Green Mountain. So is that where Ryan Reynolds got his coffee from? Name is coffee. Now I don't think so. No, I mean, so we have there. There's Green Mountain Coffee. Here, there's Green Mountain Coffee here. We also have, this is also the home of Ben and Jerry's as well. So Ben and Jerry's ice cream is from Vermont, and and we you know we're also the ones that have uh, uh, we're also we're also the state that has uh, classically speaking has always been uh, the second most least populous state in the United States. So it's you not, can just not connect. the first, not the first, the second. So it's all right. It's the second. Wyoming is actually the first least populous state. So Wyoming has about 500,000 people in the entire state. Vermont has like 700,000 people in the entire state. And it's it, so it's and here here's a little trivia for you specs. So there's a, so all your listeners out there that want to learn just a little bit of trivia. So here it sounds like a joke because we're talking about dad jokes, but this is actually a trivia piece. So what does Hawaii, Texas and Vermont all have in common? The answer is all three states used to be their own countries before joining the United States. So Wyoming was? Yep, yeah, yeah, Hawaii Hawaii was their own country. They had a they had you know royalty no, no, and all that wi- stuff. Wyoming. No, no, not what not Wyoming, Vermont. 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 So Vermont was all, is it because of connect uh close to connect um um uh, Canada? Is that why? Well well here's the thing. Here's so one of the things so uh, we all learned about the Revolutionary War about the 13 colonies. So the yeah. 13 colonies fought for independence and got against Britain, but actually it was the 13 colonies in the independent Republic of Vermont. Because basically what happened was Vermont is the 14th state. So after the Revolutionary War, see, New York State and New Hampshire both wanted, both claimed Vermont to be part of their own state. Well, and so Vermont said, no, we're our own country. So we were our own country for 14 years. And basically, after the Revolutionary War happened, Vermont came and knocked on the door of, you know, the Continental Congress and said, can we want to be, we want to join. And the 13 colonies says, no, 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 we're good. We're just going to say 13 colonies. And Vermont said, okay, that's cool. We'll just join, we'll just join Canada then. And then somebody who was smart enough to look at a map realized that if Vermont joined Canada, it would be basically like a 40 mile uh, it would only be a forty-mile distance for Canada, for Great Britain, for Canada to invade Boston, which is was one of the biggest one of the biggest cities at the time. So they said, "Okay, you can join." That's because of Vermont joining. We became the fourteenth state, and once Vermont joined, all of a sudden um, that opened up for other. Uh, other territories and state and, and other places to join and become states because it was always the intention of just going to be 13, 13 colonies. So, that's, that's so yeah, cool. so Vermont is the 14th state. So uh, a little bit, of, a little bit of trivia for all your listeners and viewers out there specs. So yeah. that's, yeah. That, that's funny. Cause in my comic book world, you know, uh, it takes place in Georgia, but uh, I spell it different. I spell it like Georgia. Like, you know, we, we would say it down here, you know? Yeah. And um, in that world, they never separated. So 
it's Georgia, uh, Alabama, Mississippi, and some of uh, Tennessee was Georgia at first. It was like a big old block. And then this thing happened when it was like a bad deal. I forgot the names of the people. And they ended up losing all the territories. So uh, I'm trying to figure out in my world how I'm going to make that deal not be bad. So Georgia um, stayed as powerhouse. Because yeah. our universe is, um, they superheroes and whatnot, but um, largely music-based stuff, you know, inside the world. And, you know, with, you know, some of Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, and Mississippi, all that music and culture, you know, it makes, you know, Georgia a powerhouse state, like, you know, Texas and New York and stuff. <laughs> so is that, that's legacy of The View? Yes. Okay, cool. Excellent. Well, yeah. that's what, that's my main series, you know, I, the whole right. world takes place, you know, a spinoff of that book, but... Yes, my main series. Okay, excellent. All right. Well, since I gave you a brief thing of what show on the Green Boss is, you know, uh, we'll get going to our couple of segments of the show where we just talk about, you know, you. Um, I try to be different than other podcasts where, you know, a creator or a person would get on there and blab about what they're doing for like two hours and nobody ever get a good <laughs> feel of the person, like why they should support the person. So in this show, I want people to, you know, like the creator, whatever they're doing, so they be more inclined to support you, not just whatever you want to talk about, but in other things in the future or, or just follow you. So right. with that, I got four different segments I do. And the first one is called Breaking It Down because uh -huh. when you buy the green box, you break uh, certain things down and, and yours, you break down, you know, fruits and vegetables. <laughs> but <laughs> down here, you break, you break down concepts and ideas with your friends and whatnot. So in this case, when you break down uh, your brain so people know more about you. Right. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. So, so basically I, I, I can well, talk I got, a I little, got, well, I got, I got questions, oh. you know, the, the answer, you know? Okay. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So, um, um, uh, you're doing so many podcasts and got a radio show and whatnot. Uh, do you have any colleagues? Do, do I have, do I have colleagues? Um, do you know what? So for, for the podcasts, no, it's always, uh, it's, it, it's always been, uh, it's been me. I, I tried on some occasions, try to bring in, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, co-hosts and stuff. The challenge with having co-hosts that you don't pay, um, it becomes, um, it, they, they, it would, it would almost feel like they don't have the same level of passion as somebody that actually is the, uh, um, you know, the, the, the owner and creator of the podcast as well. So, uh, I purely off the point of just do it, the passion behind being, being able to, um, and as you know, two specs, giving people a platform, giving creatives a platform to, um, talk about their work, um, is extremely important for me. Um, and, 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 and so I've been able to really pace myself. Uh, you see a lot of folks that might do a podcast that will, have five to 10 guests on a week. And then they, and then you see that they end up burning out in five months or so. And th the reason behind that is you got to understand like you're in order for, in order for me to stay loving what I do, I have to make sure that I don't do it to an excess. So I do about two shows a week. And, and plus this is something that a lot of people don't quite understand that might be listening to this conversation in a car or listening to, or seeing this on YouTube is that, um, the work that specs does and the work that I do is that, you know, what podcasters do 
it's not just the one hour or the 30 minutes or the 45 minutes that the interview happens. After that, there's also the promotional piece. There's the editing piece. There's the upload piece. Um, there's a lot of work. So basically one interview that takes an hour, you got to actually add an extra three hours a week on top of that for yeah. the editing and the promotion and, and, and putting it out on faith and sending emails, sending follow-up emails. So there's a lot of work that happens behind the scenes. So it's, and 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 the point of like having like you know having you know asking if you have co-hosts you have other people that work with you, that you can't expect people to do that especially with doing um, something that's more of a passion hobby for you, and it's so that's that's where it comes down to the point that you um, there there's little expectation to ask people to do more than what they um, thought they were going to be doing, um, and. Yeah, I don't, did that answer your question or not, Specs? Um, see, it was a leading question, but cause okay. I, I want to know uh, which one of your colleagues would you know should start their own um, podcast or company. But since you don't have any, I'm gonna flip the question and say, hmm. if you could have a, a colleague on, on with you, uh, anybody in mind you would have? Oh yeah, I mean Specs, absolutely. Man, I would have Specs Thompson on in a heartbeat. <laughs> That's dope, dope. <laughs> but um, the funny thing when you said about people don't have a passion for it, um, right podcast. So me and two other guys, well, me mm. and three other guys was on the podcast, and the guy. So we was a co-host, and the main guy was the host. Um, we probably did maybe close to twenty shows. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but actually. One guy, he dropped off and started his own show, which is weird because he could have still did our show, but I can tell towards the end that he was out of our show, but he would miss some days, and uh-huh. I was going to figure out why, then he would have his own show. <laughs> then the host, he just like lost the spirit of the show and didn't want to do the show no more, but me and the other guy, we still want to do it. But it, right. he, he just lost the passion for it. And I was like, man, he, he, he brought us all together. He got did all this and did all the work. And I guess he got burnt out and didn't want to do it anymore. But, like, uh, me, we all we had to do was like reformat the show. The show was, like, too mm. long. It was two hours of us talking about comics. Like, it was, like, right. uh, it was a little rough. But, you know, if we broke it down, smaller shows probably got more viewers because, like, We'll talk about pop culture stuff at the beginning, then like mm-hmm. talk about some group books that we post read together. Then after that, we talk about books uh, we read individually. And I, it was like since it's four of us, it got pretty long. But uh, it was like me, you know, I'm a uh, I, I was in the music industry, DJ and whatnot. Plus, I do comics. Another guy, he was a uh, a comedian. And somehow mm-hmm. he does comics. I don't know how he's so involved with comics, but he's really involved with comics, even though he's a comedian. I guess it's a joke somewhere <laughs> right there. Um, <laughs> other guy, he's like, who's really like connect to the wrestling uh, stuff. Um, and he was a comic creator as well. And other guy, the host, he's a comic book artist, you know. And he had several podcasts like you do yourself, but he just fell back from all of them. It was, it was pretty weird, but. I'm pretty right. sure it was, it was yeah. health reasons and, and and kid reasons and stuff like that, but like he, he just you can tell like the deterioration, you know, during the show. And I was like, man, that's crazy. 
Right. Yeah. But I mean, that's the th- yeah, and that's the, that's the hard part about it is that it's like you can't you can't necessarily you know like expect people that aren't you know like I say as a as a volunteer piece of it is like the inner. It's like especially when you kind of look at how much work goes into it on their side, it's really minimal. Like I had some folks that came on when I did my nerd stock talk podcast, it was me and two others. And I had one of the guests just, one of my, the co-hosts was a friend of mine said, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm like, it literally takes you 45 minutes a week <laughs> just to get on the air. Like you're literally not, I'm the one who's doing all the pre-production, post-production and, um, and, and that was, that was the hard, that was the hard part. And then I had one guy that was on it. And so basically it just, um, uh, there was, and he ended up just, you know, sticking around, but he wasn't, it was one of those things where you'd ask people, all right, make sure when you get on, you know, coming ahead of time, here's the questions we're going to be doing. This is the topics we're going to be covering. Please, you know, study it. It'll take you like 20 minutes just to learn about issues of, you know, like, you know, cryptocurrency or, you know, investing of this and that, whatever it would be. And they knew, and then they would show up when I hit the go live button. And I said, all right, you're, you got all your questions set up. And they're like, oh, I forgot. I didn't. And I'm like, well, it's like, yeah. literally, man, it's like, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that, that so the, the, the piece of it is like, you find people have the same passion as you. They might have the same passion of the topic with you but they might not have the same passion of the platform you're talking about the subject on. So especially when it comes to podcasting and especially when it comes to, you know, doing stuff, you know, live or, or, or on video, they, and and this is a thing too, Specs, you might be aware of this when you're talking about like chilling on the green box is that you have some great people who have amazing conversations. Like, we should be recording this. This is amazing what you're talking about here. But something about the point of actually formalizing the discussion immediately deflates their passion to talk about it. And where conversely, I could have meetings with people, you know, talking about radio or thing, and and you want to send them an email and say, Hey, can I meet with you over coffee? I want to talk to you about this or that. And they're just too busy. No, I'm not. But if you send them the exact same email and say, Hey, can I have you come on my podcast and we can talk about it? And they're like, yes, sign me up. So it's weird. It's like strangers are more apt to have better conversations with you online than your friends, your friends and connections who you have some of the best conversations with, are and you know they're going to be great conversations just don't want to do it online it's weird yeah, it's weird. Like, yeah. <laughs> um uh next question uh uh if you had a, what is your drink of choice you know being alcoholic or not alcoholic what is your drink of choice so i am so i am i'm i'm 46 i ended up i ended up um I wasn't an alcoholic, but I just really didn't get into alcohol very much. So, you know, when I would drink, I would, you know, get, so it, was, it wasn't too difficult for me to stop drinking. So I stopped drinking about six years ago. And uh, a lot of it came down to the fact that I was on my, we just had our second kid and, and 
Um, and, and alcohol isn't isn't cheap, so it was like it was more or less to the point of just stuff. saying you can get some real cheap stuff. You, you can get cheap stuff, but then you actually, you know, once you're 46, you actually feel the cheap stuff for a lot longer for the next couple of dates. I remember in my 20s, in my 20s, I could drink, and then the next day I could get up and just start the day, no worries. Like when you get in like in your like your middle ages, you're like. If you want to say, all right, I'm going to get drunk on Saturday, you have to take two days off afterwards because you're just not functioning at all. Your your body is like, you're too old for this. And you're like, you feel like you're too old for it. <laughs> um, um, I had my, my first kid right before the pandemic. So I was, I was still kind of DJing. So, but right as the pandemic opened, open it opened back up. I went back DJing. Uh, right. So like, like so I had a real job in DJing and like a, a newborn. So you know, I, <laughs> so it, like so drinking in the club then had to be at work four in the morning. Then oh yeah. I worked I worked the factory job and I remember I was putting the parts together and I just fell asleep right here at the workstation and and woke up and I'm like oh my god and I just made the made where I was making like completely wrong I was like man I can't do that no more it just like <laughs> I felt it like you, you I you need that break because your body you can't just get up and go back when I was like right. 18 19 20 maybe even 25 you know I can just you know still have the liquor in my breath and function yeah. you know, at job like now uh, I mean I I mean I got drunk or drank but like I haven't got like drunk, like pass out drunk, like because I got kids now, so I, I like, want to get drunk and you know like breaking the glass table or something. So, uh, <laughs> no, it's um, like yeah. Um, <laughs> so like I probably drink here and there. I mean, my sister had a wedding back in January, and I drank a little bit more than usual. But my kids were there, so I you know I had to feed my p's and q's. But like, I definitely felt it. Like the next day, like my, I, I guess my body was sore for some weird reason. I didn't even do anything, <laughs> but my body was sore, and like I was like, man, I definitely not twenty no more. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, exactly. It's like it's. Uh, so my um my um my my really good friend from high school um just got divorced, and he actually had a divorce party. So he was really happy expensive. about the. That sounds real expensive. Yeah, he he was really happy about it. So he actually had all of the old stuff. Like, um, basically, what happened was is that he's really passive, super passive, non-confrontational, and his wife, now ex-wife, is also um, uh, non-confrontational whatsoever. So it was a divorce that actually took like three years to actually happen. So basically, she said you know what? I want to have an, I, you know, I want to be in an open marriage. And he says, okay, sure. I mean, you know, whatever, you know, cause he didn't want, he didn't want it, but he didn't, he was, he, he doesn't want to, he didn't want to, he's not a, he's, he's a non-confrontational passive person. So, so they agreed that what's going to happen is that we're going to, um, she goes, I'll go live with, um, you know, she says, I'm going to go live with my girlfriend, on the weekends and I'll come back on the, and I'll come back in weekdays, you know, you know, be with the kids and you. And he's like, that's fine. So she packed up for the first weekend, packed up, you know, just an overnight bag. And he's like, all right, I'll see you Monday. She left and Monday came around. She didn't come back. Tuesday came around and she didn't come back. And he says, are you coming back home? She's like, yeah, yeah, I'm coming back. Um, finally it was like three months of her not coming back. And he was like, 
are you, what's going on here? And she's like, oh, no, I'm good. Like, they just did not want to fight at all. So it was one of those situations where finally, after three years, he realized, I don't think she's coming back home. <laughs> like, it's like, so it's like, so but anyway, so long story short, he, they finally got a divorce, you know, and so he's with the kids. And so he, he had a, he had a divorce party where he actually invited all of his friends over. And so now the guy's the same age as me, 46. He got married young. He's actually acting like he's reliving his twenties because he couldn't live in his twenties because he was married and had kids. Yeah. So he basically is now he, every other weekend, he's having a party at his place, you know, just, they, you know, have a, you know, they, they sit around the, the backyard with on a fire and they'll just play music and they'll be drinking. And I look at him, I said, and, and I said, you know, uh, you know, and I said, listen, I'm, I won't use his real name because just in case he's, he's going to be listening. I said, listen, uh, Phil, I'm just going to make a name up. Um, you, I said, how, how are you doing this? Like, I can't, if I have two beers, I'm hung over for three days. And he's like, yeah, it's pretty tough. And I'm like, why you're doing, you're having a party. You're staying up until like four o'clock in the morning. You're 46. How are you doing this? And you got to go to work the next day. He's like, yeah, it's really tough. I'm like, I mean, yeah, kudos if you can do that, but I, there's no way I can do that at that age. So, I mean, it's, it's funny is like just looking about how everybody ages the same. Like everybody, every minute, everybody gets a minute older. Everybody had that, all that happens. But basically how it works is like that some, at some point, um, people live their lives in different times of their life. I, you know, in my 20s, I worked overseas for Peace Corps and Doctors Without Borders. So I did all my travels. I basically saw the world at a young age. A lot of people do that after they retire where they'll just, you know, you know, get, you know, get a summer house someplace else or 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 travel to the, you know, travel overseas every day. I'm done with that. I've, I've seen a lot. So but. The same thing with my my friend. He already he never got to have his college years. He never got to have that. But so now he's doing it now that he has. Um, he feels like it's his free time right now. But uh, yeah. So anyway, suspects so that 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 would be the um, to answer your question. Oh, so what do I drink? Okay, here we go. What do I drink? Yeah, um, so <laughs> here's so I see my cup. I got my uh, so you can see I got my. Uh, 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 my my Gen X themed um, Super Mario Brothers coffee mug. I drink, so I drink coffee. I drink uh, coffee. In the, I'll drink coffee in the morning, but before noon. So anytime after twelve o'clock, I don't drink any caffeine. Then I go headlong into drinking, and then in the afternoons, I'll just I'll drink some of the herbal teas and stuff like that. I'll I'll, I'll stick with that stuff, and. I've I've noticed too that um, in coffee, and I always say, so there's a really good line that I always use when people ask, how do you take your coffee? And I always tell them, there's a really good line from Twin Peaks, the the show that was out in the 8990. And uh, Special Agent Dale Cooper says this, and I always say this every time. I said, I take my coffee black as the sky on a moonless night. So meaning like, you know, no cream, no sugar, just black. I've never understood when people would just put in, you know, you know, not not hating on anybody that puts in sugar and, and, and cream in their coffee, but you know, it's if you get really good coffee, you don't need to do, 
cheap coffee, you need to put flavor into it. You know, it's something like that. But and I've ended up liking a lot is the um, right up here. We're right close to Canada in Vermont. Um, the and right here we have Dunkin' Donuts in this neck of the woods. And I think down in down in Georgia, you have. Is it Krispy Kreme? What do you guys down have? What's your donut shop down here? Well, you we have down Krispy Kreme and Dunkin' Donuts, but nobody goes to Dunkin'. <laughs> nobody goes to Dunkin'. Yeah, people up here in New England, people that's Dunkin' is it. Like that's 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 the only place you go to. And right across the border is Tim Hortons, and Tim Hortons is is the Canadian version of. Dunkin' Donuts and Krispy Kreme. That's the place where that's everybody will go there for. I went on vacation to um, Nova Scotia last year. Uh, took the family. I would also recommend if you're ever, if you ever decide to go on a road trip, do not take a one-year-old, a five-year-old, and a seven-year-old on a road trip because, especially, maps lie to you, Specs. Maps will always lie to you. I looked at the distance between Vermont and Nova Scotia and it was only three inches on the map. I'm thinking three inches isn't bad. No, it's 11 hours. It's 11 hour drive. You don't think it's that much, that far of a drive. And having a one year old in the car for 11 hours, not recommended, not <laughs> recommended at all. But anyway, so I was in Nova Scotia and so I just, I went to the, you know, I missed my Dunkin' Donuts. They don't have Dunkin' Donuts in Canada. They might, but they have Tim Hortons everywhere. So I went to Tim Hortons and I just, I got into the routine of buying, going in there and getting a Tim Hortons, getting a nice dark roast. I love dark roast coffee and drinking the dark roast. And here's the thing. And I, you, you can't get it here in the United States. They had this amazing, it was a sour cream glazed donut okay so it was amazing it's so sweet you can taste the diabetes in it it's so good and and i took a bite and i that was my thing for like a whole week i was there i just get some tim hortons and i came back and i was like really jonesing for some tim hortons so what i have to do now so you can go on amazon.com you actually buy k-cups of tim hortons coffee so those that are listening here fans of coffee you already might be pretty stuck in your ways of drinking your coffee of choice, but I would implore you, check out, try Tim Horton's coffee, try their dark roast. If you have K-Cups, you can buy in the K-Cup. If you don't, buy the bag, try it for a week, and if you're not converted to it, because it has this almost musky molasses type flavor to it as well, um, it's really good. So... Um, and side note for those for those notes, coffee beans are actually nuts, and peanuts are actually beans. So there's a little <laughs> trivia for you too. So yeah, okay, okay. yeah. All right. Uh, if you can get rid of uh, one thing, what would it be and why? If I could get rid of one thing, what would it be and why? Um, what would I get rid of? That's a good question. Um, because normally people think about something that like, you know, some sort of thing that, you know, befelled them or something that made their life a challenge. But I believe, you know, like challenges, you know, add to a person's character. Um, I would probably, if I could get rid of one thing, I would probably get rid of crabgrass. Crabgrass? I have, there's a, so my COVID project, my COVID project was that I was growing um, that, 
that we put in our backyard, just a stone pathway. Um, and I, I had a buddy of mine who does a lot of, um, he, he just started like a landscaping business during COVID. And he was like, man, I'm not getting any work. I'm like, yeah, I'll help you out. So, you know, I was able to get a really good deal on him putting a stone well, pathway. I guess because everybody's, everybody's still home doing their own yard work, right? Yeah. So he, and so what I did is like, and so I said, yeah, I'll help you. Yeah. So, so I got a really good deal. I got the friend's discount on him putting in a stone pathway and now we're like three years outside of COVID. He's booked out till November. I'm like, hey, can they, are you going to come help? He's like, oh, I'm really booked out. I'm like, oh, well, then what if it's not the friend's discount? What if I pay a full retail on? He's like, it's still November, man. It's nothing to do with the fact that like, so every, everybody's booked out. So anyway, so there's this, there's this one specific type of grass that will just inundate itself in between like stone walkways and stuff like that. And you can see them on sidewalks and stuff. And they, there's that one piece of grass that actually will grow up and spread out like one thing just spreads out and almost like it covers your entire walkway in certain spots. You pull it out and it's just one root, but it looked like it was just like a full on a lot of grass because that's crabgrass. So, you know, if anybody's interested, do a Google image search of crabgrass. It is, it is, it's not even pretty. So it's not like it's like, oh, but grass is pretty, you know, it looks like a park. No, this looks like it's like, this is like the big, like bully, like, you know, like push everything aside, um, you know, hate the world grass. Like it is just miserable. It provides no, even, you know, even like animals don't eat it. So it's just like, well, everything has a purpose. If anybody can tell me what the purpose of crabgrass is, I will change my mind on here specs. I will write an entire <laughs> blog post, tag you in it apologizing for all the crabgrass lovers out there. But you know what? I don't think anybody's going to, I don't think anybody's going to be typing and saying crabgrass is amazing. No, the crabgrass is probably, um, you know, not good. You, you know, objectively speaking, you could say mosquitoes, but mosquitoes actually a part of a food chain. Crabgrass, there's no food chain. There's no food chain issues with crabgrass. There's, yeah, we, there's nothing this, good about crabgrass. We have something similar down here, but it's a vine. Um, yeah. We call it a cut zoo. Maybe that's uh -huh. the wrong name, but uh, you know, uh, the same colonies we was talking about. Maybe we was talking about colony. We was talking about on, on there. The same thirteen colonies they brought this over from overseas and wanted to put on their houses and stuff to make it look at all pretty. But in in America, we have no defense for it. Nothing eats it, like you said. No bugs. Nothing kills it. Right. So it keeps growing. So if somebody uses it in a yard, what? 300 years ago it's still here now and oh, it will take it will take over the yard so right. everything around so like let's say you had a pine tree in your backyard the, the cut zoo will grow over the, the pine tree and make it so they can't get no water and no light then, then you start seeing trees just fall to woods because all these vines and kill this tree or kill whatever it takes over the whole yard, and you can just keep cutting it where you keep growing back, it would never stop. Now, you can see right. it on the interstates here, and some of like the older town uh houses that people didn't don't uh use is just still growing, taking over. Like, it, like a house next door to me, uh, it caught on fire last year, and oh uh, wow, now uh, you know, all the stuff got burnt up, but now so all, all the vines is taking over and going and so going this, crazy on it. So this is crabgrass. So, so for those that are wondering, I'm just showing like this image of like crabgrass. So this is basically it, it's 
it actually like soaks up all the other like minerals, so it'll just grow and kill the grass around it as well. Um, it just so pops know up a, everywhere. You know you're a true podcaster because you know how to work your way around this uh, this program. You've never been on it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, make sure I, I, I had to make sure I didn't have any like like you know like um, all my tabs on there were 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 all fine too before I opened that up. But yeah, yeah. get, get canceled before you get started, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's in a, that segment, you know, we, you know, broke broke ground, you know, like you say about your crab grass, um, so people know a little bit where your head's at and whatnot. Yeah. But now we're gonna get into um, another segment I got called called the back issues. Okay. Uh, being a comic, you should know all about the back issues. Well, people yes. who don't know, uh, back issues are normally a character's origin story. So if you want to know more about, I don't know, uh, Carnage from Spider-Man, you'll go back to his uh, back issues for find more about his origin stories. So in this segment, we're going to your back issues to find more about your origin stories. Okay, perfect. Uh-huh. All right, so first question. Uh, where are you from and what do you call your hood? Okay, so I um so uh um wait so where am I from? Is that what you just said? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said I so I'm from Vermont. Vermont is I lovingly like to call it, for those that like know Lord of the Rings. Vermont is like the Shire from Lord of the Rings. Like <laughs> the world, everything happens in the world outside of Vermont, where like Vermont is nothing happens in Vermont, and and so I from my from my perspective, what I did is I actually ended up. I always say Vermont's a good place to grow up and end up. So I grew up in Vermont. Then I went off to art school in St. Louis. I was in art school there. I was in St. Louis for about five years. And and then from there I decided to – and that was like in the late 90s after I graduated from art school. And for those that don't remember or those that have a little history for you as well is that in the late 90s, that was when you had what was called the internet bubble where – Anybody who had an idea could create a website and make a million dollars off of it. So um, the Peace Corps was desperate to find volunteers because they still had a quota to fill. So being an art student, an art graduate, art school graduate, being able to go into the Peace Corps was uh, um, it was it was fortunate for me because nowadays I'm not sure if you can be an art student and then easily get into the Peace Corps as easy as I did. And basically, what it was is that they had. Um, I filled out the application and being an art student, I actually did my essay for any art students out there. Here's a little trivia. Here's a little, here's a little tip for you. For those that are art students, have an art background and you want to apply to a job or apply to a university or apply to, you know, anything that actually asks for like an essay, make a comic book because you know why those, those intake people are going to be seeing, Essay after essay after essay, and then boom, somebody sends them a comic book. You can just take a an eight and a half by eleven thing, fold it up, and just and staple and say, send them a comic book. You'll be surprised about how much you're gonna immediately get above the pack on that one. But obviously, if you're applying to like a comic book, you know, school, that's not gonna mean much. But like, yeah. if you're applying to other places, other jobs, do that. A hundred percent. And I did that from ever since my other careers, as it went on, I always would make a, I would always make a comic book. And, and so anyway, so I went into the Peace Corps. I was in the Peace Corps. I was the, the, uh, the, um, uh, the, the person asked, he said, 
so do you speak French? I'm like, I took two years of French. They never tested me. I just said I took two years of French in high school. I still, you know, I know enough French to get into trouble, but not enough French to get out of trouble. And then I also, uh, I said, do you have any medical background? I said, well, yeah, my, my aunt's a nurse. And he's like, okay. I'm like, wait, that... <laughs> so anyway, so um, they were like, okay. And so they said, so how do you, so um, we, we have a, um, a health volunteer work um, for men in, in for, to go to Niger. I'm like, yeah, I love Niger. I'd love to go. And like, perfect. And then as soon as I said that I had to, had to actually go like, you know, Google. at the library and look up where Niger was. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's, uh, that's in Sahara. That's sub-Saharan Africa. That's, um, all right, that's going to be fun. It's mostly the Sahara Desert in Niger. Uh, okay. So I went there. I was in Niger for, um, I was there for about four years. The Peace Corps experience lasts two years, but I stayed two more years because at that point, after two years, you end up learning the local language and you end up uh, understanding the but culture you know at that point. But you know French now, huh? <laughs> yeah, not really. Still, I don't know. So I, um, I speak Zarma really well. So if anybody wants to go to Timbuktu, I can be your translator because that's the language I speak in Timbuktu. Um, and so, and so I ended up, so I ended up doing that. I fell in love with working overseas. So I ended up um, getting a, a chem coming back home and getting a graduate degree in international education. Then ended up going back overseas, and then chronologically speaking, specs. I ended up working in Pakistan. I was in Pakistan after the earthquake. I was there. Um, for about a year. Then I was in the Philippines. I went over there for about a year um, doing a, a typhoon relief work. After that, I was in South Sudan um, uh, in, doing, working in there during their revolution. Then I went to Zimbabwe during the cholera outbreak. I was there for about a year. Then after that, I went um, I went to Uganda and worked in an HIV clinic with Dr. Zobodors. And then after that, I went to Libya during the revolution, I was like repairing ambulances while, you know, dodging machine gun bullets. And then after that, I went to, um, I was in, I went to Nigeria and worked in Lagos at an urban maternity healthcare clinic. And that's where I met my future wife. Um, she's Nigerian. And I always hear about the 90 day fiance. I laugh at the 90 day fiance stuff because yeah, I I laugh at that because you know why my wife and I, we did for 30 days before we got married because I knew there is no way if we did it any longer than that, she was going to marry me because she would have found out how much of a goofball I was. I can keep up my like quote unquote cool demeanor for like 30 days tops. Um, before people realize like how much of a, how much of a dork and a goofball I am. Um, so I always go, we've been married for 10 years now. You know, I said, we've got three kids and I always ask my wife, I'm like, if we dated longer, would you have married me? She's like, no, there's no way I would have married you. <laughs> so it's, um, um, you know, it's, it's amazing. It's, uh, and, and it's funny, she's coming here and people always talk about the fact like, you know, marrying an African woman. She's like, oh, the culture shock must've been weird. And it's like, well, no, 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 not what you think. She grew up in Lagos, which is a mega city. She never seen the country before at all. So the very fact is the culture shock wasn't, you know, like a Nigerian moving to America. It was a city woman moving to the country was the big was was the big culture shock. So when we got married, when we were trying to find a place to live, I wanted to come back home to Vermont because it's it's a great place to raise kids. And we had to make a compromise that I wanted to live in a place where we can, I can walk out and just kind of like go out, hike in the woods and have fun. 
But she wanted something like that that was populated enough where you can actually have pizza delivered. So we found a place <laughs> that actually was rural enough where you could actually like enjoy the, the you know the the nice country air and the mountains and the trees and but we still had to make sure that she could pick up a phone and actually have pizza delivered. So we found we found a nice place. And it's really funny is that one of the caveats before she actually, because I, I came back home first and worked on her visa when I came back. So we were separated for about eight months before she actually came here. And all the advice she got, and it was the same thing before I went off into the Peace Corps. People would just give me like completely random advice based off of their stereotypes that they felt that like was in Africa. Like, you know, thing like, um, you know, things like, um, you know, Make sure you never eat, you know, like raw fish or, or like there's just random things. Like if you see, if you see, like, you know, if you hear bullets or, or if you, um, never eat, you know, uh, dog meat or something like, which is random stuff like that's nothing to do with it. And the thing for her is that they, before she left, um, all of her friends told her, if he ever invites you out camping, say no. I'm like, that's weird. This is a weird thing. So, but when you think about it, there is not any of those big Hollywood movies that actually, that are made that actually go overseas to like Asia and Europe and Africa and all other places around the world. There's not one happy movie about the woods in America. There's not one happy movie about the woods. Everything is either there's a witch out there. There's a giant bear. There's a killer. There's, you'll get stuck between rocks and you have to, you know, saw off your leg. Like there's no happy movie about the woods. The lake house. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so she, she refuses. It's like, she, even to this day, we've been married for 10 years. She's lived in Vermont for 10 years. She's like, Hey, you know, I said, next time let's go camping. She's like, I'm not going camping. You're nuts. If you think well, I'm going to go camping. Well, see, early in the podcast, you was talking about that bear. So <laughs> you go camping in Vermont. Yogi bear might get a hold of her, you know? <laughs> exactly. So she, so it's like, I might be able to convince her to go. It's called glamping, like glamorous camping where you actually might be, have to rent an RV or, or have a nice cabin out in the woods that has all the amenities and a hot tub and stuff. But yeah, she's, um, yeah, it's, um, yeah, I, 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 I married, I married a woman who's very much into like, you know, like New York city style. Yeah. That's her idea of going on vacation or going to Atlanta. But yeah, not a cabin in the woods is not someone, <laughs> but, but that's a beautiful thing. Specs It's just like, you know, it's, I truly believe that if you marry someone who's opposite of you is that, it's actually a good thing because you always have something to talk about. And especially uh, if, you, if, if you, if you have two people that actually like are, are, are actually really curious about, you know, learning about things. She sells Mary Kay. She has a YouTube channel. She's got mm -hmm. about 5,000 subscribers on her YouTube channel. She does these, she does these makeup tutorials and she loves that stuff. She loves going to Dallas. She had a great time in Dallas. She loves the city. And at first, when she was talking about all the things about Mary Kay and makeup and, and makeup stuff, I was my eyes were kind of glazed over. But it was to the point where I realized, I think I think it comes down to doing podcasting. It's like, you know what? I'm going to turn this into an interview, and I'm going to learn. I'm going to be active and be proactive and ask her questions about it because then I end up being very genuinely curious about the things she loves to do. Um, and I, that keeps it fresh. You know, after 10 years, it's been keeping things pretty fresh for me. Um, and 
And did that answer? It said uh, I've been going off on rants. So I'm sorry, Specs. Is that did that uh, answer your question? You did. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. But uh, I got plenty more questions. Um. Uh, uh, so next question. Uh, you listen to music? I do. Yes. So, so what? Uh, what music genre or artist or a song got you into liking that kind of music? So when I was when I was I I remember that when I growing up here in, in Vermont we had the one major radio station that we was able to listen to was um like the oldies so back in the eighties the oldies was the sixties and the fifties music so there's this oldies station that plays fifties and sixties music and it was kind of interesting because that was the music of my parents and they had the they had the same old records when they were kids. They they had in the house, so it was, it was able to get really into the fifties and sixties. But that was my parents' music. So what I really discovered that I actually had my own music was Weird Al Yankovic. When I actually started hearing Weird Al, I'm like, this is my music. I love yeah. that music. Now, now I see why your wife said she won't marry you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's like, there's no way she would have married me. Um, and then when I got into high school, because that was my like my junior high. Then I got into high school and then college. I listened to a band called They Might Be Giants. And they've been around for uh, for folks that might know They Might Be Giants. They're the ones that actually did uh, they did kid shows for a bit. They actually did the, the Mickey Mouse Club theme song. They But there for a while, they did a lot of music that was um, like very eclectic stuff. And, and then when I got into, then when I went off to, I listened to that in college. Then when I went off into the Peace Corps, I listened to a lot of African music. There's um, there's a there's a, a song called um, there's a band called Magic System that was from Cote d'Ivoire. They had a, a song called Premier Gao. Then there was a, a woman named for those that are familiar with um, South African music. There's a woman named Brenda Fossey who had some of the best music. Um, uh, Oliver Mitakutsi is another one. And really getting into listening to all the different types of music that existed um, when I was in the Peace Corps in Africa. And that kind of spread it out from there where if you can go from Weird Al Yankovic to They Might Be Giants to basically, um, you know, just African dance music, you pretty much have opened up everything in between for yourself. And and so, and so needless to say, what I'll do is that if I hear a song that I like, I actually allow it to a playlist. So I have all these Spotify playlists that I actually put, um, you know, the name story comic and then I'll add that uh, cause story comic.com is my website and I'll add the year to it. So it all started off with story comic 2013. You know, then I'll have did, story comic 2014. Same, I did the same thing, but a different, my phone, a different brand. I got a, uh, I guess a corporation brand called Space yeah. vision. So Apple Music, I had that. I ain't do it this year. I just didn't do it. Yeah. But every year I got Specs Vision playlist and did the same thing, like you, know, like you, like you did the same exact thing. And people actually followed it. It's, it's the crazy part. I people, and you know what? I will play a song to exhaustion until I like I'm you know and until I I don't want to hear it anymore and then I'll hear it again. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot that song. Like my latest song that I heard. And here's the thing too, TikTok. I love TikTok. So. What I'll do is I will play um, – I'll hear a song on TikTok 
And then what I'll end up doing is then finding it and add it to my Spotify playlist. So I got a completely random song that I actually started listening to that I will just play on repeat. And that is, oh, the other thing too, Guardians of the Galaxy. I love every time they'll play a song on the Guardians of the Galaxy, I'll listen to that. Uh, I'll listen to their soundtrack for, you know, for a good long time. The last song I listened to that I've been like just playing on repeat and I couldn't find it for the longest time was Meet Me at the Spot, the live version from with um, The Anxiety and Willow, who is uh, Will Smith's daughter. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a good song for anybody who wants to hear that. That's a really fun one. It's called Meet Me at the Spot, the live version of it, not the studio version. Um, that's the one that I listened to that's, that I've been playing on repeat a lot right lately. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, what comic book or comic related TV show got you in liking comics? Oh, I liked comics when I was like my kid. So I was, um, so basically what I would say is that I, I can pivot that question a bit. It's like, I was, well, I was reading comics before you know, back in since like 87 or so. And so the TV show that I was excited about seeing in the comics, and I was, I was kind of really, I was, I was kind of bummed that it didn't last that long was the flash TV show from 91. Um, the original flash TV show. It only lasted like 13 episodes or something like that. Um, and that kind of died out. Well, they did. Well, so yeah. So, um, the, yeah, but the 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 flash that came out with like there was one that came out in ninety one. What happened was it was there was going on the coattails of the nineteen eighty nine Batman movie that came out the t- first Tim Burton movie. They're going on the coattails of that, so it was the first time they actually made a TV show that actually had a big budget. So one of the points was is that the it, it never it never found its audience and. And they were spending about a million dollars an episode or so, so that's why it died out pretty quick. Well, also, um, also, as a comic book reader, it was a wrong flash. Like it was why they that was why they West at the time, but the shows with Barry Allen, which is weird. Yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. Um, which was really cool when they came out with the new the Flash. This last iteration, they actually had the actor who played as Barry day. Allen from the nineties. He played Jay Garrick in the in the and the new version, uh, which was, I, I love those uh, homages that they threw in there. That was pretty cool. Um, but there was, um, but, but so, yeah, so that was, that was probably the show that, but when it comes to the comic books, um, well, let me ask before the specs, before I answer that, I, I do have a follow. Is there, do you have a follow up comic book question? Because I have, I, I have a, I have a soapbox I want to get on real quick, but I didn't want to do it unless you uh... actually had, I mean, I got another question after this, but I mean, not real follow up. But you might answer well, why you're talking though, so I might not say. Okay. Yeah. I have I have one pet peeve when it comes to when it comes to comic books, and this was the point where I actually my favorite comic book characters, my favorite comic book my team of all time. It used to be the X Men, but now as I'm getting older, I really love the Fantastic Four. I love Marvel's first family. And what it is, is like back in night. So it was, it was 1990 came out with these trading cards. They had the Marvel comic book trading cards. And then in 1991, they came out with series two and on series two, for those that know series two, uh, Marvel comic books, they actually had on there 
um, they actually had on their um, stats on 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 everybody's uh, powers. So they basically had um, series two marble trading cards. Sorry, um, let me pull up. I just want to show your audience what they would look like real quick. So basically, this was the this was the series two. This was the series two cards that they came out with. And what they did on that cards is they actually had stats on the back of them. So basically they had these statistics on the back of them that actually showed what their power yeah, had, rating I was. Had, yeah. I had some of these. Yeah. Yeah. So they had strength, speed, agility, stamina, durability, and intelligence. So, and it, go, it maxes out at seven. So they had, it maxes out at seven. And so, for instance, Hulk is the strongest superhero in the Marvel, according to these, this, according to canon in 1991. Oh, 91. Yeah. 91. Yeah. So, and so he was the only one who had a seven in strength. Um, Speed, according to Marvel canon in 1991, Silver Surfer was the only one who had a seven in speed. Quicksilver had like a six. So, or a five. Because seven means you could travel at the speed of light. Um, and so Silver Surfer is the only one. Thor was, I don't know, he probably had a, a four. Because think about it, two is, uh, one and two is like normal. So, because, you know, because technically he's, he, he's light speed as well with the Bifrost. True, but he took the Bifrost. Or oh, like the, okay. the Mjolnir might do that, but him independently of that, he's not flying through the air independently of well, so, so how does Mjolnir. Silver so how does Silver Surfer get it? <laughs> Well, because he travel, he he goes, he he travels through space at the speed of like faster than light. So on he the has board. to like, on the board, yeah. But the question is, like, that's his power. Like Thor cannot have the hammer and still be Thor. So uh, okay. because he's not called Thor's hammer, like Silver <laughs> Surfer, he actually has. He's just silver without the Silver Surfer. So, um, <laughs> so and so so basically, is that so? Um, there's one person in the entire Marvel universe that actually has a seven in intelligence and that the person has a seven in intelligence. There's only one superhero, with a seven in intelligence. And that is Miss Reed Richards. Moon girl. No, Reed, Reed Richards, Mr. Fantastic. Um, yeah. he's the only one that has a seven in intelligence. According to Marvel comics, Canon 1991. I want to be clear about that. I'm not talking about MCU. Because uh, I'm sure Shuri probably is the one that probably would uh, you know, like represent a seven in intelligence in like the MCU right now, but Marvel canon 1991, Reed Richards was the only one that had a seven in intelligence. There's only one super villain, like Tony Stark, extremely smart, had a five in intelligence. Same thing with Peter Parker, very smart. He had like a four or five in intelligence. Keep in mind oh, yeah. that yes, canon, yeah, back then, yeah. Talking about canon here, talking about 1991 Marvel Comics canon. So that's the that's what I'm talking. So the piece of it that really bugged me, is, and then but Doctor Doom was the only one, was the only super villain with a seven in intelligence. So that's why those two of her were are they they were like you know going head to head on this stuff. So basically, is that my big my big point that was I that I realized it was one of these like eye-opening points as I was reading a, a episode of Fanta reading an episode reading an issue of Fantastic Four <laughs> and they had word bubbles like thought bubbles on Reed Richards 
And that immediately turned me off. I'm like, listen, if this guy has a seven in intelligence, no matter how much you can kind of predict, the people that are writing, writing, writing Reed Richards are 30, 20, 30, so on, or 40-year-old, um, you know, men or women that are writing the, the, the scripts for this. There is no way you have, we would have the capacity to understand what the most intelligent person in the world is thinking. What I, and, I, and I bring this, Sir Arthur, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the author of Sherlock Holmes, not one of those books is there an inner monologue of Sherlock Holmes. Because Sir Arthur Conan Doyle knows, he ha, he, even though he created Sherlock Holmes, he has no idea what Sherlock Holmes is thinking. All the thought process happens through the eyes of Watson because the point of it is that you need to make sure that the person that is super intelligent needs to always stay super intelligent so that we are now observers of Reed Richards' intelligence, not thinking about what he's thinking about because then you take away the mystery behind that. It's the same thing when it comes to it, it will be the equivalent of actually every time the Incredible Hulk lifts up a mountain, you actually zoom in and discern. It's like, let's lose him in and look at his muscle structure. His muscle structure is different because it does this and this and this and this. No, because you're actually trying to explain how his strength works. You cannot explain how the most the strongest the strongest person in the world is thinking. And you do that when you actually create thought bubbles happening in his head. As far as we know, they could be thinking about in binary code as far as we know. So I mean, the um, point of it is, is like, you shouldn't know what the, the, the smartest man in the world is thinking about. So that's my pet peeve for that. And uh, I don't know what it was. I know it's New 52 for sure. But I don't know what, what writer did it or what comic book it was in. But it was a flash. It was like kind mm -hmm. of the same concept. So they had a thought bubble of what the flash was saying. But it was this, it was like a real thought sentences and everything but everything was smashed together because <laughs> he's thinking at super speed so we see him, we can't read it because you know it's faster than that's we can brilliant. read that's <laughs> brilliant i love that and that's what they should like they should do that where they actually like I, they if they're doing thought bubbles for reed richards it should be just like algebraic code or something like the guy is literally the smartest person in the universe like how do you know what he's thinking about uh, do, you, do you read um, comics now I, you know, I, I, I do. I read actually a lot of the comic books I read now is like, it's to the point now because I have such, I mean, you know, this as a dad now, your time is so finite now. Yeah. What I'll do is end up reading comics that I know have a beginning, middle and end to it. Oh, okay. So I'll buy, I'll pick up a graphic novel. Um, I forgot to cancel my guardians of the galaxy subscription from Marvel comics. I've been getting them now because I'm like, all right, now I got to start reading guardians of the galaxy again. But I picked up like the new the the whole uh the X Men the new um the the new Age of Krakoa that See, came out a couple of years ago. That's great. That's what I was gonna talk about because I've been reading it. Uh, yeah. Like uh, it's not, it's not business. Uh, what's his name, man? Uh, I can't think of his name right now. But that Arthur, I mean that the writer. Yeah. I like him, so when he got an X Men. I was like, dope. But yeah. Um, since they uh, speak with Cohen on there, right? You see yep. some thought bubbles or some word bubbles that they would have like the asteroid um, person up there because 
you can't say it because it's a different language. And I thought that was pretty right. cool because we don't right. know what Kakoan is and maybe speaking it like uh, Apocalypse. He changed his name yeah. to a Kakoan name. So it's like a little, uh, look like a moon. It's uh, like these like, yeah. Like the thing from it's like uh, these symbols. Aquatine yeah. uh, Hunger Force, that little, <laughs> little uh, Moon yeah. Knight thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, uh, if it, I think that's so it's like, like, yeah, my piece of it too, when I think about, if if you take and coming out of COVID, coming out of COVID, it's it's amazing how we we all kind of had a shared you know like worldwide trauma happen to us, and I think about the fact that when you look at all the different things that happen in all the comic books, there's always a world potential world ending event every year that happens. So think about what happens with like that the psyche of the populace. When you have world that potential world ending events happen every year to the point where it's like these people are gonna be exhausted. Like it's like that the whole population must be just like shells of like they're they're living in this sense of complete like um accumulated stress disorder. Like how are people able to survive? Yeah. And I, I that's where I like finite storylines that I can read together and know that. But actually, this is where it comes down to like there's basically like your four like genres of comic books, superhero comics. You have your street your street level superheroes. You have your space you know space space comic superheroes. You have your magic comic superheroes. And then you have your one that's like international espionage type things where that so everyone would fall into one of those. When it comes down to the point of which ones that I would actually kind of like gear more towards in reading, um, I love the space superhero worlds now because there's a much higher level of 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 um, um, believability in the sense where like you, the suspension of disbelief is much higher because um, when everything that happens on Earth. Um, you kind of have to like portray what, how you're, you know, what would it be like here, especially Marvel comics actually take place on earth where like um, DC comics happen in a made up version of earth. Cause you have Metropolis and Gotham and stuff like that. Um, it It's in Bloodhaven. So there is, there, 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 there is something to the, to the effect where I love reading space level comics because there's something about the fantastical where you can really create new alien species and worlds and, and um, you can have epic levels of, you know, world events happen on other planets that are really create this sense of finality about it, where there's no sense of finality that happens on comic books that take place on the earth because, you know, they're never going to destroy the earth and make people move on because that's the whole, the point of his all earthbound heroes where there's sense of drama and, and uh, there's more at risk. It feels like when it's um, when you know that the writer can actually is like, all right, we just destroyed this planet. And like, wow, that was pretty, that was pretty deep. man. <laughs> <It was> like... <laughs> but but uh, I understand. Like I get at some point. Cause uh one of my spinoffs of my story is the same character, but I sent them to space just to catch yeah. you know all readers because it'd be just the same thing over and over again. So I switched up. Uh, 
But speaking of switching up, I finna uh, switch up the the, uh, the segment to my next segment. It's called digging uh, the hotkeys and being a comics. You know as well. You know the hotkeys is key issues when a new uh, writer, new uh, artist get on a project as well. A new character get introduced or villain. Or nowadays, it could be you know a storyline that got developed to a TV series or a movie. You want to collect those as well as like points on a DJ's turntable to make certain songs queue up or play during a certain part of the, um, the party. So in this show, it's uh, questions or topics you know we picked up, you know previously or I wrote down through this conversation that people should know exactly from this interview. So. Uh, I just want to jump straight into your books, Dad Joke. Um, mm-hmm. I've been seeing who 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 connect this. Can't say the guy's name right now. So, oh, Jeff. Yeah, so I've been seeing Jeff post about it, right? And I was like, oh, that's cool because I've been getting uh, Dad Joke videos from TikTok. Uh, mm-hmm. It's literally called Dad underscore Jokes on TikTok, but it's uh, these guys they battle. With right. dad jokes, they uh, I guess whoever makes the other guy laugh the hardest, they, yeah, uh, so I love those. Had, had a, yeah, had to j- tag each other out, and I've been doing those, and I've been taking some and saying them at work, <laughs> and they were like, uh, we know you old, plenty <laughs> dad jokes, because uh, everybody assumes I'm in my early twenties at work, but I just turned thirty two, so like, she's like, you, you can't be thirty, yeah, I am, I got two kids, and I'm in my thirties, yeah. Pretty old, like this one guy. Uh, was he in high school? Was he was he born? Let me see. He's born in old two oh two. Yeah, he uh he talks to me about certain things, and I bring up things. He's like, yeah, I wasn't even like in school yet when that went on. <laughs> uh, like he's a nineteen. Okay. And I was in I graduated high school almost fifteen years ago, so like. <laughs> a lot of stuff I talk about, he wasn't even around for. So, yeah. <laughs> but uh, dad jokes. What made you uh create? I guess dad jokes and dad jokers. I guess second one's called. So so basically, it's like uh, in early 2020, um, we had uh, the internet was just rife with like everybody was trying to pick a fight on the internet, like during 2020, because we had COVID. We also here in the United States, we had an election season that was happening and it was really easy to find, find a way to get into a fight with somebody. Um, It was super easy. So what I did is like, I actually wanted to do my due diligence and make sure that I was able to do something that made the, um, make the world a bit, um, a little bit easier. So what I ended up doing is I ended up looking for, um, I ended up looking for like, uh, you know, dad jokes. So I first started doing that. I started like posting a few dad jokes once in a while. Um, and then I started doing it on a daily basis. And so what I ended up doing was, uh, what I ended up doing was, um, sharing with everybody, like a joke about, um, and, and then so here's and the thing to specs is that I was able to um, create jokes that were actually like not controversial, very safe puns 
something along the lines. Because, and, and here's and the piece about my the, the, I would say the piece about my 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 book is like it is one hundred percent safe for my brother who works at a stone quarry. He takes the, the my first book. So I had my first book that's already was published uh, last year. Mm-hmm. He can take that and read it and have you know guys reading about it. Um, my uh, uh, you know my my mother who's a grandmother can take this book and bring it to church and read it and then people are fine with it. My <laughs> my six year old my six year old who's in first grade can take the book to school and read books and it's not it's not offending everybody as well. So it's it's it truly is if you you can go to a book, you can go to a bookstore and buy a book. You can go to a, a, a online and buy a joke book that's called Dad Jokes. But every time I've looked at those there's always one joke that seems a bit misogynistic. There's a joke that seems, you know, a little bit racist. You see another joke that's like, well, that's kind of making fun of, uh, you know, like, you know, politics. I wanted to actually create a book that was actually like truly funny, truly, um, you know, truly something that is completely and utterly safe for anyone to read that actually made it um, not just, you know, corny jokes some of them are actually pretty good um and because of that i've been able to also about i would say five percent of the jokes so basically one out of 20 of the jokes in there and there's 500 of them um, i actually kind of invented on my own by um just just hearing puns and word plays that happen there is back in 2020 i actually invented a joke that i see on online now which is funny is um, and you can trace it back for anybody that's really wants to, you can actually kind of trace it back that my, I was bringing my kids to school and on the way to school, um, you here in Vermont, I saw a deer, um, driving to school. And I actually, uh, I'm, when I came back and I came back and I told my wife, I said, um, so I saw my deer, I, you know, um, uh, I saw, I saw a deer on, uh, on my way to school. No, I said, what did I say? Um, uh, I saw a deer on the way to school. That's what I said. And she said completely innocently, she didn't even think about it after she said, she looked and goes, how do you know it was going to school? And I'm like, what? <laughs> that's actually funny. <laughs> so I actually, I actually posted it. And so you like, so that's one of the jokes that I kind of invented. Another one was I invented was, it was a road sign that actually said, it was like a list of vegetables. And it said like, um, Peas beats carrots or something like that. And I, and I wrote, you know, I saw a sign and said, well, those are pretty mean peas. Like there's like, so these are the ones that I actually, and then the other thing that I do too, is that I'm actually, I listen to a lot of old time radio programs. So I'm able also to like find jokes from like the, you know, like the Charlie McCarthy hour, the, the Jack Benny and George Burns, some of the, you know, like George, you know, um, George and Gracie Burns. There's a lot of funny jokes that I'm able to update and actually edit to actually fit for a more modern audience. A good one that I posted that was from an old Charlie McCarthy um, uh, stand-up was, and I wrote this as a new one, an updated one from that happened from the 1930s. Is I told my wife when I told my wife when I was in my 20s I was unbelievably handsome. She responded, "You're right. I don't believe it." So. <laughs> These are so that that's what I love about it. It's like I'm able to create it's 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 a curated book that is guaranteed to 
definitely make you roll your eyes, but not roll your eyes because it's politically incorrect or roll your eyes because it's, um, it's, it's offensive. These are purely jokes that, and as I say, I challenge anybody to, to buy any other joke book that is not, um, that, that other than if it Wait, was made for like a five-year-old. What what was your first book? Show me, show me again. Is, is it, this one's is called is Bad it in the Jokes. Is it in the store? It is in stores. Yes. I think, I think, I think it's, it's at Sam. Yeah. 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 You can get this. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. So the other, the other thing about it is that it's also the only book that's actually fully colored as well. So I did okay. all the illustrations on it and, and as somebody who does comic books, it was really easy for me to make illustrations for it and cartoons. So because what it is, that's it, funny because my coworker, uh, he, he tells dad jokes all the time. I think your book came through, you know, uh, the job and he like this book, he had, he said a dad joke about your book, how safe it was. And it, it was, I can't think of it now, but it was a dad joke about your book being safe. <laughs> oh, yeah. And when I love it, like I say, it's the only fully colored, it's the only fully colored dad joke book as well. Um, and what I was able to do because, you know, I got two daughters. What's really important for me is to, is to really promote the fact there's no gender specific roles in the home. So I have on here anything that you'll see dads doing or dad or dad. So it's like, so I have in here, every image around here is based off of things that somebody's dad might be doing. So I got, um, you know, here, like the farmer likes corn, but over here, um, I wash the dishes at home and I know a lot of dads that wash dishes. I do the laundry as well. Um, take out the trash and, but you know, you got things like a basketball hoop. Um, you got things like a baseball mitt. So everything in here that you would imagine a dad doing, taking out the trash, playing golf, whatever the, so there's 25 different images on here and my updated book, I was able to update some of the images on my, um, my, so my dad or joke book is actually coming out, um, is actually coming out, um, as of this recording, it's coming out next Tuesday. So, so for those that are, are listening to listening to this episode, um, um, so I'll, I'll send specs, I'll send you the, 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 the link to the, to the Kickstarter. What's beneficial of this Kickstarter is that for those that want to, you can buy my book online for like $18 is what the retail price is on that. But for this one, for my dad or jokes, um, Kickstarter, you can be able to get the first and second book, um, for, I believe it's like $30. So the books are actually going to save money if you're interested in buying it. And plus I'm going to have a, an early bird special as well for those that want to get something on it. So, uh, all right. Like I said, he's promoting it. Yeah. You know, I, I haven't clicked the link, you know, just because you know how podcasts and kids and stuff, but I see it haven't launched yet. So I guess when this come out, it'd be launched by then. Um, so, um, did you, did you do a KSR for the first one as well? No, I didn't. So, I mean, you know, much like you, I've been actually doing a lot of, um, interviews with people that do Kickstarters. And so I've been able to just really just harvest some great tips and tricks on how to do a Kickstarter. And, and, and so the benefit for me is that I see this more as like a pre-order op opportunity for people that want to buy the see, book and, and get it at a better price. See, that's what I, okay. 
doing my book, uh, my first book, my first issue, you know, Friends and Family, that's, what, that's who bought it, right? It be- it made the money on Indiegogo, but I didn't fund, I guess, because Indiegogo, mm. I, I get the money regardless. Right. Um, the second time around, you know, it flopped because I tried to switch to Kickstarter. But, you know, start doing interviews like you're doing now and stuff like that, figure out how to promote Kickstarter. And right. I got all the Kickstarter people to do Kickstarter and some friends and family to come back for the second issue. Now, for this third one, uh, because people who don't know about Kickstarter, Convos, whoever just want to support me, they right. didn't understand the whole concept of Kickstarter. Like, <laughs> I got to make a profile and I got to pick an option. I just want the book. So... I was marketing the third one as wait, was the third one? I marketed the fourth one, the one I haven't put out yet, as a pre-order. And cause it sounds better, and like you said, it's what it is. They pre pre-ordering the book. And I had people from the comic book groups come at me like, stop saying you pre-ordering da 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 because that's not what it is. But it's it's exactly what it is. They pre-ordering right. the book right. so they will get it in in the future. Because, like you said, retail value is $18 for your book. But if you right. get pre-order, you get cheaper with some benefits. So, like, right. it is a pre-order. Because that's how, like, video games. If you pre-order a video game, you get, like, extra character or a new map or whatever. So, it's right. the same concept. So, for the, I guess, a normie, you, they right. understand the pre-orders. But right. these combo people, they just, ah, oh, they just... Threw tomatoes at me and, and all kind of stuff. I'm making on post, which, yeah. which is funny. No, I mean, that, 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 the point of it is, and, and to 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 their point, I would say like five years ago, it wasn't a pre-order. It was to say, help me kickstart this program. But but now we, I, what it comes down to is the expectation is the expectation. This is why it's different nowadays. The audience expectation that actually are purchasing it is expecting that I'm going to put this and that you're going to commit to that date you're saying it's going to be delivered. And how you do that is to make sure that you're already done with the product in that sense. So, and that's where that that's where people would use that case. I was like, I just need more money to get this project done. Um, and the reason why it's changed a lot is because you have not just people like, you know, you and I specs, but there are large organ. There's there's large companies that are do gaming and then actually like actually um, larger independent comic companies will actually truly use it as a pre-order system because they've already made the book. They just want to make sure that they can produce. They can actually make a lot more than um, they can kind of get an idea of how many books they need to order ahead of time. So, yeah. All right. Uh... Saying, talk, you talked about your podcast uh, early in the show, but um, what made you go on podcasting? And I mean, because uh, all three of your podcasts are three different types of podcasts in general. So what made you get into it? So it was pre, so basically I was working on one of my, one of my projects I was working on. I was working on one of my um, comic books at the time and I would ask friends that I met at comic cons when I was actually tabling, I would meet some of them and I would actually talk to them about how do you, um, how do you do this? How do you do that? And they're like, well, and then, so I ended up, um, back in like late 20, late 2019, 
uh, I would say, hey, can I do a Zoom call with you and just to pick your brain about something? Like, sure. And I did that with one of my one of my um, one of my comic book friends, and it was kind of like one of those light bulb moments, thinking, I should have recorded this. This is actually a really good conversation. And so what I did is, and I pivoted my website, the Story Comic website, to actually then say, what I'll do is I'll make a podcast called Story Comic Presents, where I'll actually like interview somebody in the field of independent comics. And that's how it kind of started is that I started doing that. And, and then COVID hit and, and then I had out of the blue, somebody from somebody from one of those independent, like hybrid publishing groups. It's called, it's called Rootstock Publishing, which is, is here in Vermont, sent me an email saying, Hey, I have an author um, can they come on your show? And I'm like, that's weird. It has nothing to do with independent comics, but sure. Um, so I had this author come on that was talking about, um, it was like, he wrote a murder mystery and like, uh, or something. I can't remember. It was like, and, and so they came on my show and then I was like, this was actually fun. I was actually, so I really liked the idea of actually creating a platform for, we always talk about indie comics, but there's a huge independent author field out there as well that is not getting a lot of love. So I was able to then interview some more people that were on that, that were authors as well. And then what I ended up doing is then I would reach out to authors and like, well, I don't make comics because my podcast was called story comic presents. I'm like, well, no, no, it's, I mean, it's, it's, I interview all kinds of creatives. And so I ended up realizing that I had to actually brand my, thing to more maybe actually have a podcast that's specific for authors of that, that are in Vermont. Um, and then I also, as I was doing that, my kids were getting older and they're bringing home library books of and I'm like, I love children's books. This is fun stuff. So then I actually started reading at reaching out to other children's books, um, folks. And I've rarely had the triumphant of actually having I've had it like twice where I've actually had somebody that fit in all three categories. Um, that was a comic book. It was a children's comic book by someone living in Vermont. So I actually can have them be on, on like all three shows at the same time. So that's always fun when I do something along those lines. But so it was, so it was, it was really interested is that, that I, I had to make sure so that that third comic, that third piece was the, um, the third podcast is called we make children's books. And I have about 20 of those in the can. I'm waiting to get a nice buffer of those. And then I'm going to start publishing them again and putting them online. But, and then I have the nerd stock talk one that I do, which is I do on occasion as well. So um, that's what I've been doing with that one too. So, but it's been, you know, it's, but the point I was talking about earlier specs is just pacing myself out is really important. So yeah, I got, I got burnt know. out. Uh, I think this would be episode I don't know. I don't know what order this is gonna be in. But you might you might end up being episode thirty. I'm not right quite sure. Thirty, thirty-two, something like that for you. Right. Um back in May. So I was I just so at first I started this maybe January, February. I reached out to people like be on my show and I do a show. And then as well, I was doing a show with the view where we talk about current events. Now that burnt me out. Uh for people who don't know playing both parts, you know, that burnt me out because I literally had to write the script 
So it really looks like I'm communicating with the view. And like that burnt me out. Cause I was doing that plus the, the interview part of Chilling the Green Box. <laughs> then in May, so I decided I wasn't going to do that part anymore. I was going to do straight interviews. So let me just go ahead and do those. So I believe in May, I did like an all call, like who in these interviews? And I got like a slew of people. So I record, 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 record. And to the point that I had to have like three or four StreamYard accounts because my storage ran out. So I had to get a new <laughs> account, which is why I went to Riverside. Which we on, that's what we're on right now. Uh, Riverside, I, I don't know how many episodes I got right here, but I went to Riverside because of that. And so then I did all these interviews. Uh, people let's say i had 15 interviews now like you said before it takes time to do those edit those so i was like right. man i gotta edit these and put the segments out and <laughs> it air it so I, I was backed up like i i've been so backed up i think i'm i've been pushing them out my best recently but uh i think i just now hit my june in July interviews, uh, cause I had so many in May. Then on top of ones like you will come in on top of them. So I was like, right. man. So I had to slow it down. So now I got me a little chart that I only do them on Thursdays, <laughs> or <laughs> or you know, somebody like you come on a Saturday. But like I had them like I do two on Monday, two on Thursday, do three on Wednesday. And I was like, I need to slow down. <laughs> so, but I definitely got uh, burnt out. Then when you said about people hitting each little thing, um, all, well, my show's broad. You know, I, I uh, interview like people in like rock bands, uh, rappers, singers, comic book writers, artists, you know, painters, whatever. Um, but the crazy part would be some of the comic book creators, they were also been in the music industry as well, like myself. Right. And it was funny meet people like that now with you you hit a weird tangent because lately i've been getting a lot of nigerian creators on my show so not only are you a podcaster yourself you're kind of a creator and you got some nigerian ties so like right. you hit some things too so like it's just funny how things work uh just i get I, like i said i don't know if it's because like who i am that's why i'm getting people who does music and comics like that, but I, it's funny because there's so many of them. It just, it just, it's just funny. Uh, like, yeah. So you had Ian uh, Ejob. He was on my podcast too. He was a he has some great stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, and it's funny because, um, is it him? I think his got the most views. Like not mm. not po podcast wise too. But my reels for the show, like I think all of his cracked thousand. Like, wow. and not and I don't want to promote it that hard. I just like put it out there and you know make the right title on hashtag, and right. it jumped. So I was like, man. So people want the Nigerians and overseas is where is that? And right, then they start coming to me. So I was like, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, with the future. Of uh, in the comics, you know, uh, you podcast, you talk to creators as well. Um, what do you, you see the future of indie comics being? You know, with AI and 
and other stuff like that and um tv show tv streaming platforms picking up indie projects what do you see it going right. in the future well i said so the, the first thing about the ai piece i actually had someone on my show that was a um a really good author from australia her name's amy lawrence she's prolific and the show she makes fantasy comics she does all kinds of jesus poetry and i asked her a question i said this was right when chat gpt came out when people started talking about it back in march and april i asked her i said um because now people can actually like you know write entire books with using chat gpt are you worried about that at all and she said something really in, intuitive she said chat gpt is never going to make great books they're only going to make good books they're never going to make they're never they're never going to be great and she well, said uh, with that uh, i don't know if you're aware uh you know the game of thrones they were finished so somebody yeah. recently used chat gpt to make the last two the last book he hasn't done yet so yeah. it was so big the guy had broken it up in two books and as of right now just by nerd internet they says those two books is a way better ending than the hbo show <laughs> um and you know you but so what well, the thing is you can put in some like you could put in some you could also you can obviously put in like some level of um um you know uh you know feeder to that you can type in like some prompts to do what you wanted to do but but the and she said she said that you know there's a finite room for good books but there is unlimited room for great books and and it's the same thing as like there's um computers are only going to do what humans ask them to do um but the, the soul behind the creativity is what makes great authors great and it's um anybody can write a book i can actually i can actually ask um, you can go, like I said, you can, you can go, go, go to your work. I can go to my work and just ask someone who's never written a book before, write a book and they'll, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be great because they've never written a book before, but authors who write books, those are actually like, um, that is their job is to write or have nothing to fear when it comes to, when it comes to the idea of what. It is because there, there's something about putting that 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 soul behind it. So writers have nothing to worry about. I use Chat GPT um, as a tool, not as a crutch. Uh oh. So no, but I, well, I'll point out. But like I say, not as someone that does it. But I, I think about the the point when it comes to issues of t saving time. And I'll tell you what. The, I'll give you an example. Is like, for instance, what I'll do is. Um, you think back in the 1950s, you would have, you know, some office guy go to his secretary and say, um, write a letter to our client that, you know, we're going to have a sale next week or, would you know, something like that. He just told his secretary what to write. I look at ChatGPT purely on a, like on an administrative aspect, not as a creative aspect. I'll give you an example. When I make, when I, when I, when I produce a podcast or when I produce something, I will, I, I will write my own description of what the podcast episode was about. I will then say, I'll prompt chat GPT by saying, um, here's my podcast episode. Please give me um, 15 popular hashtags for this. I don't have to do the research on finding all the hashtags I want to do on it. It will produce 
15 hashtags. I'm like, some of them are okay. I'll delete some of them. I'll add other ones by saying hashtag Vermont podcast or hashtag Barney Smith. But it will automatically say, for instance, Specs is that if I say that and like I interviewed Specs Thompson on my show um, and I'll do that, say this is what we talked about. Um, give me 15 hashtags. It will then um, th- that way I don't have to physically type it out and waste that time. It will actually like type out hashtag Specs Thompson, hashtag chilling on the green box. Like it'll actually do all that stuff for me purely from an administrative perspective, not as replacing the creative point. Because as you know, Specs, everybody has a finite amount of creative energy. Do I want to waste that time thinking up what my hashtags are going to be? Or do I want to spend that time thinking up work I want to do from that creative perspective that I don't want ChatGPT to do for me? So that's where that's where you use it, utilizing it as purely from an administrative perspective and not as a perspective of of replacing the creative energy that I don't want I don't want to find a cheap way of doing it out. I find a way to actually utilize it for a time that actually that way I can utilize my time in the most productive manner. Um I'm not making it create new work for me. I'm actually utilizing it to what I would ask you know, like what I would hire a social media person to do for me. Yeah. So that's, that's what, that's what I, that's what I would, you know, utilize it as for. And, um, and as you see that, as I say, I see that as a future is that there's, uh, people talk about not using self self checkouts because you know what? I want to make sure that, um, you know, that's t- taking jobs. Uh, do you know who is the most, uh, you know, um, who lost the most when the advent, the invention of the car was, it was the farrier, the person who made horseshoes lost his job. But the point is, is like technology is always advancing. And the point of it is, is like, if you actually like refuse to see the advent of technology and actually use it as a tool, if you see it as the enemy, you're going to be left behind. So yeah, it was a great, uh, it was a commercial, I believe. Uh, the same aspect he was talking it showed a woman, she was in the factory worker, right? And they was complaining yeah. about the machines coming to take over. And somebody approached her, talking about, you ever thought about going back to school? And she was like, ah, I don't know. And then fast forward her going back to school and whatever. Then she ended up creating or being a work or engineer the robots that's doing the same job as her. So she, she technically keeping her job. And, right. and it's the same aspect you're saying, like that shoe person were, went from making shoes to making rims. You know, yeah. just have a job. So like right. people don't, you know, progress. Exactly. And that's I mean, that's what you said there is is like is, is a is a perfect example of that. I had I was on a podcast and someone was talking was like, have you noticed there's more independent bookstores popping up as they did fifteen years ago? Isn't that weird? And I said, No well, here's the thing. Fifteen years ago when Amazon started like taking over all books, people saw Amazon as the enemy. And nowadays, what you're seeing, new bookstores are popping up, see Amazon as a tool, not as an enemy. So that what they're utilizing is like, you can go to Amazon, for instance, I'll give you an example. There's this book that I read when I was like, when I was like eight, it was called Trouble for Trumpets. And it was about these little orange fairies that look like hippos that had this giant war in the woods. That book never reprinted. That book actually now is, um, you can actually buy it online on Amazon. The book costs 
$250 now because they never reprinted it. But you know who's selling it on Amazon for $250? A bookstore. They actually take all the books they know that are old, they'll buy them at estate sales and stuff like that, and then they'll have someone at their independent bookstore will actually then post them online on Amazon. They don't go on eBay. You can go on eBay, but the reason why you go on Amazon is because that's where people look for books. Um, and and that's what the and that's why you're seeing independent bookstores. Not only are they using independent authors who do independent produce their own books like I do, that they say, hey, I got a local art author here. Um, Amazon's not doing that. Amazon's not having um, book signings. Um, but what's happening is is that using independent bookstores hosting times for independent authors to gather in their own communities and talk about the books. You're seeing independent bookstores taking books and selling them on Amazon. So they're utilizing the, the, the strengths of Amazon while also highlighting the weaknesses of Amazon, which is they're not doing book signings. That's what you're seeing now is like, that's basically is what we're, what, where I see like the future happening. And we talk about chat GBT that we're at that impetus where we see it as something new and it's the enemy, but people like you and I specs who are actually saying, how can I use this to my advantage and not as a crutch is where you're going to see, we're going to see independent comic book, comic creators being able to then take that and run with it. Um, you'll see a lot of people would talk about the fact that um, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, other comic book artists would complain to say you would have some comic book artists would actually like take tracing paper and draw the building off of a photograph and then draw. And then other comic books like that's cheating. It's like, no, it's not. You have to look at if you're producing work, you need to produce it at the most effective and concise way that the, the, the most effective and concise way as possible to make more work. And then what happened was, is like, that's where you had rotoscope happening in the seventies where people would actually take movie footage and actually turn it into cartoons. And you see people like, that's cheating. Um, you would also see people would actually then um, reuse images in their comics. Um, then you saw like in 2000, in the two thousands, people would start using Photoshop do digital artwork and people do pencils like that's cheating. So now we're at that impetus of like, I don't know what chat GPT is going to look like for us, but we're at that era where people are starting to utilize it. And other people are saying that's cheating. It's like, well, we produce artwork. We produce entertainment. We produce stories. And we're trying to find the easiest way. If you're yelling at me because I say I'm making a comic book every six months because I don't have time, then I need to find the easiest way to tell my story and the most productive and quickest way possible to get my story out there. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I do know that we're at that precipice where there's that point where people are utilizing it. And But I do 100% agree, 100% agree that utilizing chat, G, not chat GP, but, but using like those um, AI to do your artwork is cheating if you're not, you know, a great way to do it as like storyboarding if you're just going to try to figure out angles and stuff sure but i would never ever make a comic book with air that for me i truly believe because you're actually stealing from other people and it's not your own work where um where i are utilizing it from an administrative perspective is different than trying to make money off of it so yeah yeah um uh, i gonna say one thing for i'll get my last question and <laughs> statement of the show um uh, 
you know, your nerd stock podcast, right? You know, you want to make you know a little extra money. You know, you can take your segments from that show and make them into a book, and you can sell that book as like a nonfiction, like help book. Since you, like it'd be like a niche type of thing, it could I mean, be like a, a the stock thing for nerds, and you can market right. that. And you already you already got the information. So all you gotta do is run. I don't know. I mean, it's pretty sure now you can run the audio through Chat GPT and it, it'll script it out for you. But the old cheat code was put through YouTube. It got transcript. You just copy and paste from YouTube, and you can just document it idea. up. And mm. there's your chapters. Each segment was a different chapter. And now you got a book. You can sell for what ten bucks? <laughs> Nothing. Right. But um. Yeah. See, that's a good idea. Yeah. But um, we'll go to the last segment. Uh, last question. Because um, my kids do not like to chill in the green box. They want daddy to go play. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, it's called digging in the crates. Um, you know, being in comics, you know, digging the crates. You know, you go digging for, you know, uh, the Marvel issues that had that uh trade cards in them. That you try to collect. You know, you want to see them stats as well as in music. You dig through the crates to get them CDs and um, right. uh, vinyls. We're at Yankovic and stuff like that. <laughs> so, uh, last segment of the show, I just grabbed everything from this uh, uh, episode and formulate a question. Uh, typically, I do four questions back in the uh, back issues thing, and we skip the question. But I'm going to take that question and formulate to the last question. So, typically, it's normally that when do you find out you was a nerd, right? Uh, it seems like you, you knew pretty young that you was a nerd, and uh, your wife found out afterwards how nerd you was and um exactly. um so uh you being well well traveled you know um uh, your passport probably looks like a comic book with all the stickers and whatnot mm-hmm. um if you had to choose to, you know the said being brought up in vermont being brought up in uh some other place the same way you were just different location what um location was you picking why Oh, um, that's a really good question. Um, so it's like, it's like that nature versus nurture situation is like the, is the way I am because I grew up in Vermont or the fact that I grew up in Vermont, um, um, complemented my nature. Uh, I would, I would say if I was going to grow up someplace else, I would probably you know what? i'm gonna say i'm gonna say like france um only because France has you an can't, amazing you can't, speak, you can't speak French though i can't but no but if I grew up there see the point like you're saying if I grew up there so i'm sure i'd 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 end up speaking there so i and and the reason because of that is not only because like you know like you know like the 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 French ladies are you know uh say that you know it's uh, yeah. when I worked for Doctors Without borders, I had a lot of French nurse friends, and that was always fun um but it was because France has an amazing comic book scene that not a lot of people talk about. You have Asterix and Obliques, you have Lucky Luke, you have huge amounts of um extremely great, well done comic books that just never really kind of make it over the pond on, on our neck of the woods. And they're and they're some amazing stories that are, are written in there. And I've been able to for those that are interested, just 
you know, check out like some the French comic books, the ones that have been translated into English. It's like some of them are epic. Like when you watch One Piece, I think One Piece is now have like episode 1000 or something like that. They've been yeah. around for years. But there's some really cool series that actually have been around for a long, long time that have been translated in English that are really good because we're used to how we're used to the rhythm of an American comic book. We're used to the like now you can expect this, now you can expect this. Rarely have I ever read an American comic book, Marvel or DC. Marvel and DC kind of have their own genre of comic books where you can read and say, "All right, this is this is going to happen on you know page seventeen is the is the ad or page this. Then they're going to end with a cliffhanger." Blah blah blah. If you read a French comic book, the same thing as manga in the sense that. The culture is different, so the rhythm of the comic book is different. Um, you can read some like epic, epic storylines in French comic books that actually end up going kind of down to earth a bit. So that would be my answer. If I had to grow, if I had to like start all over and grow up someplace, you know, starting in like, um, you know, reading comics in the eighties, and it wasn't in Vermont, then I, I was going to say that I, I I would go all out and just pick a different country and then just, um, and I'd get, and I, I'm thinking about a, a country that actually is big into comic books. So it would be Japan or France. And, um, and I'd have to say France because that would be the, uh, because of, like I said, I think they really appreciate um, comic book artists, they they really appreciate comic book writers. Comic book writers and comic book artists are treated very well in France. And here in the United States, how many times do you stumble upon a GoFundMe page for a famous comic book artist that needs money for health, like to pay his hospital bills? Well, because Price. in America, <laughs> yeah, in America, we like our comic books, but the comic book artists and the comic book writers are treated like poop here because all that money goes to the the corporation. But in in France, they treat their comic book artists and comic book writers very well in France. They treat them with respect. And I think that's something that we should probably, we could learn from here in the United States. Yeah. yeah. That's dope, man. That's dope. Yeah. Well, by the time this podcast airs, you know, your kicks are already going on it. But yeah. if somebody's listening or watching 30 days later, where can they uh, reach you at, or purchase your books, or anything like that? Yeah. So if you're if you're if you're if you miss this, if you're if you're in the future and you and you miss the the Kickstarter, go to storycomic.com. There you'll have a link to both books. Um, the uh, the uh, the PDF versions of both of them are also available through um, all your favorite bookstores as well. You can also get an independent bookstore. So definitely, if you're buying this. Am, you know, um, Jeff Bezos doesn't need any more of your money. You can, it's <laughs> the convenience of doing that. He doesn't need another spaceship. We're literally talking about a guy who makes spaceships now. Okay. So if you want to, there's a link on my website that actually supports your local bookstore. So what you can do is support your local bookstore. You can actually order it online via your local bookstore and then you can pick it up there. Or So there's a, there's a link on there too. And you're like, but Barney, I live in, you know, I live in Georgia. I live in Montana. I live in California. How do you know it's going to be in my local bookstore? Because you know why, my dear friend? I have a link on my Facebook, on, on my on storycomic.com that actually links to your local bookstore. You click on the link. It says support indie, support indie bookstores. And it'll open up 
a window to your local bookstore with um, the the ISBN number of my book and order it from there. Um, unless you want to help Jeff Bezos build another spaceship, you can order it on Amazon. <laughs> hey, that's, that's real dope, dope man. It's dope. That's dope you had that feature. Um, yep. But thanks for being on the show, man. Enjoyed it. We talked a lot about a lot of things, you know. Uh, hopefully, uh, whoever listening can take some take something from the interview and you know progress themselves, you know. Right. But, uh, uh, thanks for coming on. You're welcome, Specs. Great. Sorry, y'all. I had to remove myself from the interview. I just couldn't handle the dad jokes. It was just too much for me. But you know, y'all check out Barney Smith. Check out his books. Check out Orange Podcast. Great dude. Great jokes. Great information. Check him out. And you want to check me out. Check me out at Legacy View. And check out my books at LegacyView.com. And if you want to follow my co-host, follow him at Specs706 on all social media. And if you want to be on our show, hit us up at Chill on the Green Box or, or hit us up at Chill on the Green Box at gmail.com. I'm out of here.